0: Using this podcast to power you through a workout or a run, we're going to be with you in your ear holes for 90 plus minutes of gaming goodness because DLC is your downloadable commentary for the week, delivered the way we love it to be, and that is completely free. Thanks to our sponsor this week, Wealthfront. Wealthfront brings the show to you. DLC, of course, the show all about games, and there are many forms games played on desktops, laptops, and consoles, also games that involve dice luck, and cardboard. I'm your host, Jeff Canada, the spell with two N's and one T, and I am joined, as always, by my friend, slash co-host, slash nemesis, the guy who's been my valentine for nine years now, Mr. Christian Spicer. Hello, Christian. Hello, Jeff. I always get a
1: little nervous, because I never know what you're going to say, and half the, not half the time, a quarter of the time, I feel like you you pull something, and I'm like, Yes, but this one I a hundred percent know what you're talking about. We are recording Monday morning, Valentine's Day, and we have been doing this. This is our ninth man, I gotta make sure I see how many I've had with my wife. I don't know, maybe I need to do I need to send you flowers? <laughs> what am I I sent them to the wrong
0: place? Did you forget today, Christian? Uh, <laughs> hey, and, and and I have to say right here at the top, nine years that we're in our ninth year. We started twenty fourteen, January twenty fourteen yeah and we have kind of a big announcement this week. We are launching our very first patreon for d l c Now you may have guessed some folks in the in the subreddit some folks in the discord had already guessed that, that what was is what was happening here 's the situation. My parents went away for a week's vacation. No, Uh, we...
1: Thank you. you. I wanted to say that so... I was biting my tongue over here, not trying to interrupt.
0: (laughs) We started this show on the 5 by 5 Network. Dan Benjamin, uh, so generous in helping us start this show, fostering the show for over eight years, and now, as of the beginning of 2022, the 5 by 5 Network no longer exists. Uh, This was uh, pretty surprising news to us to get at the beginning of this year, and so we have been scrambling over the last several weeks to put together a plan to keep this show going forward. Uh, We are still going to be trying to have uh, 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 sponsors, which has been the lifeblood of the show, but we were very fortunate to be part of a podcasting network for the entire lifetime of this show. And uh, we didn't have to worry about that kind of thing. Uh, but now we're on our own. We luckily, Dan has been very generous to give us the full rights and control over the show. DLC is ours. We get to keep making it, but we're going to have to rely on you, our listeners, to make sure the show keeps going forward. So, uh, as you're listening to this, our Patreon is under review. One hopes that by the time you hear it, you'll be able to visit uh, patreon.com slash dlcpod and uh, check out some of the tiers that we have built in to make sure that this show keeps going, that you might be wanting to support the show. Hopefully, if you've been listening to this for multiple, multiple years, you know that I always start the show by saying it's been completely free. And it will remain completely free. The show DLC will remain completely free to you. But if you are moved, compelled to support us, to make sure the show gets to keep going, uh, maybe you've been listening for many, many years for free and now's the time you can support us if you have that financial ability. Five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month. We have bonus content for you. We uh, are gonna spin off the parting gift segment at the end of the show into its own show. uh, That's going to have some quick questions as well uh, and do bonus content that will be exclusive to patrons. Uh, We will have an ad free version of the show. So if you don't, you don't want to listen to the ad content, you want to pay to not listen to the ad content. We will have that available for you. Uh, We're going to do shout outs at the end of the show for our top, uh, our top contributors. So there's a a variety of tier levels that will hopefully compel you uh inspire you to help us keep this show going forward and make sure we get to keep making dlc for another nine years um right christian
1: yeah it's uh like you said you know dan and five by five has been a a great partner for us in the show and then when this year started you know you and i immediately were committed to finding a way to, to keep it going and um, this seems like the the best way forward for the show and for hopefully all of our listeners. And people have been asking for us to do this before. And we were always hesitant. You know, we weren't looking to like, yeah, let's do that on top of what we're doing. Um, but now seems like a great time to, to do this and to give us another nine you know, 10. Here's to many more Valentines. Uh, Exactly. Mr. Kanata. It's a great
0: time in that we have to. (laughs) 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 It's the perfect time because our hand was forced. (laughs) You know, I have been very reluctant to to add another Patreon. I have uh, other shows with Patreons. Very proud of those shows. Very proud of those Patreons. Very proud of those communities. Uh, I was very happy that DLC could be uh, one where we didn't have to come to you and ask for support over the years, and we got to do this show for almost a decade without having to ask for a single cent from our audience. Uh, but situations change, and I'm hoping that um, the the passion and support that we get from this audience every single week will mean that the show gets to keep going. So, um, again, we're hoping to create tiers that are attractive to you, that uh, will be worth your while and worth your dollar. Of course, we never want anyone to support us if it is not financially feasible for you, uh, there are lots of ways to support the show for free, including telling your friends, writing us a positive review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you download the show. That is always useful and helpful and, and helps spread the word. Um, but if you are able, and if you have been listening to the show for free for multiple years and um, you want it to continue, Please check it out. Patreon.com slash DLC pod is hopefully where it already is by the time you hear this. But if not, keep checking <laughs> because uh, we are <laughs> under review. All the new patron sites get reviewed. Patreon sites get reviewed uh, before they're launched. So, all right. We won't bother you. We're we'll, going to have to mention this every week now. But if you sign up, you will get ad free. You won't have to listen to ads anymore. And all of that stuff will start next week. This is sort of a soft launch for us, just announcing it here on Valentine's Day. So make us your Valentine. Um, but that doesn't mean we don't have an awesome show for you. We have a Horizon Forbidden West review. We have uh, some awesome news. There was a Nintendo Direct. And we have one of our very favorite guests joining us. You know, the DLC always stands for your downloadable Kanata and your downloadable Christian. But this week... I'm excited because once again, DLC stands for Delight Lifted from Chaos. Because from Jeff Grubb's Game Mess, Games Beat, and so many other places, and my favorite place, the unofficial Official Association of Gaming Jeffs, That's it's right. Jeff Grubb back
2: with us. Hey, Jeff, how are you? Hey, man, I'm, I'm doing great. Great to be back with the Jeff. Christian, how's it going? I'm, I'm happy to be here.
0: Happy to have you, thanks for putting up with our uh, a big announcement at the top of the show um, no problem we got a lot to dig into, so let's jump right in and start the way we always do with story of the week story of the week it's the story of the week, story of the, week it's the, story of the week Story of the week is the part of the show where we make our case for the most important stories that happen in the world of games this week. You can always submit stories for our consideration by sending us an email to dlcfeedback at gmail.com. You can also send comments or questions, suggestions for the way you'd like the Patreon to be. We would happily accept those at dlcfeedback at gmail.com. Or you can become part of our communities on the subreddit, which is 5x5dlc.reddit.com, or the Discord, which is also 5 x 5 dlc on discord. I think we're going to keep those names, even though we're no longer associated with five by five, because my understanding is five by five does not exist, but we're going to keep those names just because that's, what's been established. That's what makes sense. So check out those communities. Great folks hanging out in those places, but Jeff, you are our guest. So you get first pick of stories. What would you consider to be your story of the week? Yeah, that Nintendo Direct. I can't stop
2: uh, thinking about a lot of the games that were in there. So that's the story of the week for me. The, the real big standout of the games for me personally was Mario Strikers uh, Battle Battle Arena, I think it's called. Uh, Battle League? Battle League. It's, yeah, uh, Battle League. Uh, I played a little bit of Mario Strikers on GameCube when it came out. Next Level Games was the developer. Uh, I never played the Wii one that came out two years later. It's been 15 years later, and then uh, on the during the Direct, it was very funny cuz they're coming out like the next entry in the in the Mario Strikers uh, so franchise <laughs> as if it's something they do every couple of years. And I'm like 15 like, years later. All right, whatever. I'm I'm not complaining. Uh and it looked it looked really fun uh and I we played it again recently. We used uh an emulator to play it online and stuff and it was, uh, it was fantastic. I'm like this is so much fun still to this day. If they could kind of just capture this, put it out again well, you know, next level, what are they working on? They're not making another Luigi's Mansion. That game's still selling. They're just going to wait on the next one until the next system. So what are they doing? Probably this. And that was my guess right before we went live to like watch this thing. I'm like, they're probably making Mario Strikers and we're probably going to see it. So I was very excited. Yeah, I was very excited to see that pop up. Uh, And yeah, uh, that's, you know, there was a bunch of other games, but that for me, I'm like, I can't wait to set up a, a club like with 20 players in our Discord and have a league going and stuff like that. It just seems exactly what I want from a Mario sports game right now.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, that was a stand-up for me as well, Mario Strikers Battle League, which we get the announcement of and a release date, and it's coming yes. fast. I love these, you know, compressed announcement and release games. Uh, June 10th, it'll be out on, on Switch, which is pretty darn soon. And uh, I love, man, it looks so fun. As you said, the original Mario Strikers, uh, super fun. And I tend to really enjoy these Mario sports games. You know, Mario Tennis, uh, it, they always capture like there's a zaniness but a real competitiveness and the, the systems tend to work really really well really digging the art style here it, it looks very heavily borrowed from street fighter you know like especially the street fighter 5 you know the that sort of uh inky yes. uh you know sketched look that that was part of this trailer looks really really cool i'm i'm digging it too christian did you uh were you intrigued by mario striker's battle league
1: i i was and i am my reservation only comes from i feel like recently the newer iterations of the mario sports titles have left out features that i beloved in their um 15 year prior (laughs) version (laughs) of them and i think mario tennis on switch is a great example that game we played a lot of in-person because it's a pre. It's a yeah. four times release. And so Kanada, yeah. you and I played a lot of that in person and had a blast playing those in-person couch co-op 1v1 games. And then I took it home and all I wanted to do was get back to playing with you, you know, or a friend like on the couch. Like it didn't have enough meat on the bones to keep me interested. And they've supported it. They've up, uh, you know, they've released I think new characters and new courses, but there wasn't enough there there for me and now having my analog pocket and going back to like mario golf advanced and i think whatever mario tennis was too, mario tennis advanced whatever it was called like those games were so feature rich and i'm curious where this mario golf falls like in the trailer it looked like it's a lot of that best played with a friend which is almost every game that you can't play with a friend is best played with the friend. So I'm, I'm very curious to see how much is there and how, uh how sticky it is. What was the Sega, Sega soccer slam? Oh yeah. Very love, similar. Yes. I love Sega soccer, Sega soccer slam. And I love how Mario strikers kind of became the torchbearer for that genre of game. And as they were showing it, I also feel like this version was maybe taking some rocket league inspiration, like the running around, like the big ball mode. Uh, I love how they're
0: unwilling to call it soccer. They're like a (laughs) soccer like game.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah. Yeah. So I'm super curious. And I, and I do love that it's coming out in the summer. Um, I think it'll be best played with friends and then I think it'll get
0: it two years of support <laughs> and then we'll see where the game stands after that. I mean, I think those games can be really, really fun. And I like, you know, obviously these, these fill a little bit like filler in between giant tent pole, Nintendo first party stuff. But I don't know. There's, I have a lot of fun. Like you said, I had a lot of fun with Mario tennis on switch. So I'm hoping this one stands out as well. Um, Interestingly, you know, the Switch obviously has been the place where stuff gets ported. And in this Nintendo Direct, we saw a ton of port announcements. Jeff, are you excited about uh, having a chance to play, you know, Star Wars The Force Unleashed or the Portal games or Assassin's Creed, the Enzio collection? So many ports announced for Switch. What do you make of that? Uh, I, I think there was a
2: world where maybe once I would have been more excited. You know, it's going to be case by case. That's that Star Wars Force Unleashed. It's the Wii version, and yeah. I, it look it looks bad uh, because it's the Wii version. It was an SD game. They're not even like kind of hd it or anything. Um, but th- there was some interesting stuff happening in that Wii version. So people swear by it. Uh, but I'm like, ah, I'm I'm probably still not. That's not going to be enough for me to like convince me to check it out. And. No Man's Sky. I've got a million ways to play No Man's Sky. Um, it's cool that these things are happening. And I'm glad there's an audience out there that especially that like families that get the switch is like, this is the thing we're going to do as a family. And occasionally, like they're going to be like, OK, well, I'm interested in this game. We already have the system. I'm just going to buy it here and I'm going to take the switch off the dock and go play it in my room for a little bit. And then we put it back down. That's when we all play Mario Party or whatever. It's cool for that. Um, but there are, uh, you know, the Steam Deck's coming out pretty soon, and I, you know, I'm definitely getting that, so I'm like really looking at what I'm like, I'll probably be playing the actual versions of these games in many cases on something like that. That's not going to be everyone, so I'm like, yeah, it's great that this is happening, and then in some cases, something like Front Mission First Remake and Front Mission 2 Remake, I'm mm-hmm. like, okay, th- those are the kinds of games, they'll run well, uh, I haven't played those games forever and when i when i did i only played them a little bit so maybe it'd be cool to go back and check that out on the switch uh so some of them i'm looking forward to most of them though i'll, I'll probably pass but i think there's going to be an audience for, for all of these games someone's going to be interested in this and i know hello games seem very happy to be on a nintendo console it's the kind of thing where they're indie developers they've been, yeah yeah they've been making no man's sky for, for years and years and yet you could tell they still are like oh i grew up putting or playing games on nintendo it's cool to put a games a game out on a nintendo system so i was excited for them
0: yeah, I think that's a that's a great thing to to call out as well. Like the, the developers themselves feel pretty, yes. unique, you know, that's that's cool. Uh Klonoa 1 and 2 is another uh um, yeah. you know, sort of up-res. it looks a little bit but basically ports of old games. Um again, it's cool to play the stuff handheld, it's cool to be able to have it portable. Um well,
1: and and it's I think as we are, sorry, uh colleagues of Jeff's, uh as we are olds, these are all ports for us. And they are new games for high schoolers.
0: <laughs> you yeah, know? but like, they're not new, new games. You know, they're, they're still, it's still, you get to play dad's games, you know? Yes.
1: <laughs> yes, well, you get to revisit. It's a very convenient way, and, and maybe not for high schoolers, middle schoolers. It's It's a very convenient way to revisit older games, some of which have held up extremely well, whether there's cake in it or not. And others are interesting releases that uh, younger kids might like.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that Chrono cross remaster looks real rough. I mean, based on the trailer that they showed the radical dreamers edition. Oof.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it looks like it's probably straight up running in an emulator on, on the switch and they're going to maybe, maybe like let it run a little bit higher res, but it's basically all the same stuff. I think that's fine. I I think the thing is this, uh, the offerings here that are ports, They sort of run the gamut. We get everything. We get something like, um, one and two, which is they're they're older, but they look, still look pretty nice. And you get, uh, you get some like chrono cross, which older and doesn't look quite as nice. Uh, but then you get like live, live, a live, which is, um, getting the the full HD two D remake. And this is a game that came out here and it's okay. So there's all these reasons to check that out. Even if you've been playing games for 30 years or whatever. So it's like, Oh, it's cool. I'm, I, one thing about this drug is they felt like they had something for everybody, and then that's true even of like the ports. there's a port for everybody here,
0: yeah, no, I'm glad you called out uh live a live or live alive or live yeah, a I live don't know. or whatever I don't, know. It's I don't think anyone called.
2: really knows because it's <laughs> it's not like we were sharing like
0: the name back then, even so yeah <laughs> exactly uh but i I love this this approach to taking old sprite two d games and making them pretty I mean giving them that uh you know that. Um, triangle strategy kind of look. I think that's so such a smart, smart. move, and it makes him feel fresh, makes him feel new. Um, and again, like you said, a game that never came out in America. Um, it's coming out in July, July twenty second for for that game. That's that's pretty cool, Christian. It's I wanted to, to ask getting
1: a second live.
0: A, yeah, <laughs> that's all <laughs> it needs is one more live, um, <laughs> Christian. I wanted to ask you about um, the Metroid Dread patch uh i know you, were, you Metroid dread was your game of the year so are you were you bopping about that what do you what do you make of it
1: the so yeah they're adding two difficulties that kind of run the gamut of difficulties a hardcore mode which is you know one touch you're dead which is not for me <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I think there are people that are very excited to play it that way um but that is not for me And then they're adding an easy mode that if I recall, they didn't necessarily detail what exactly that would be. But I think it's, you know, less hits on bosses, more health, more items for you, Um, which I'm a big fan of. Like we've talked about it on this show before, how, uh, you know, whether it's from games or other games, that giving players options to be able to experience games is almost always a good thing. I think not even almost always a good thing. I'm sure there are some outliers but someone can imagine and throw my way. But I think it's awesome. I think people, because what I loved about Metroid Dread so much was the world experiencing it, seeing how the developers created these really fascinating levels that would kind of pull you forward without making it seem like they're pulling you forward. And the boss fights, you know, if that's not your cup of tea to have this very difficult final boss or other boss to still be able to experience this story that does put a bow on the 2D Metroid franchise in a really big way, I think is awesome. So I'm super excited for hopefully more people to check out Dread that were maybe put off by how difficult some of those boss encounters were. And then what I'll dip back into is for the boss rush mode. I think that sounds super fun now that I know the patterns. Like that's something that I would want to do to revisit those experiences without you know, repulling the three saves I have at at various bosses. Um, So I think it's super exciting, and and I'm glad it sold well. Hopefully this means more Metroid. They're not, you know, they're clearly put work into that title still, and and I think that's always good news.
0: I don't think it was a Nintendo Direct with a ton of surprises or a ton of marquee things. I mean, I know that there are a lot of Fire Emblem fans. I'm not particularly one of them, but Fire Emblem Warriors Three Hopes I think was a – was a big game to start on. Uh, Of course, the Xenoblade Chronicles 3, uh, which gets Mm -hmm. a release date for September Uh, on Switch, is another one I think for for fans of that franchise is exciting. For me, the biggest surprise of the Nintendo Direct, if there was any, is the Nintendo Switch Sports, which is this spiritual successor to Wii Sports, which was a cultural phenomenon when it came out. Um, and I guess it's, it's Nintendo saying, yeah, we, you know, we still have motion controls on this, on this switch, uh, on Jeff, wait,
1: on some of these switches, right. them, You
0: can't even play it. Um, but w- do you think that people will still want to bowl and play tennis, uh, on their Nintendo console, Jeff? Uh, yeah,
2: I, so I, we already touched on it though. Those families, uh, yeah, that, there's a huge audience out there that is picking up the Switch, especially during the pandemic. But even before that, uh, they're like, you know, I, the game I point to is is Mario Party Superstars. Not a particularly good Mario Party. That game has sold 15 million copies. Wow. Um, yeah. Ma- Mario Kart 8 Deluxe has sold 43 million copies, <laughs> and the reason that game keeps selling is because when a, when a family goes out and buys a Switch for themselves, I mean, for for the kids. They get the system and they get Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. And there, there's an audience there that is like ready just to have something for the family to do. And yeah. I think that uh, it's not going to be the same thing as when the Wii broke out and it was like this hit with with everybody and people kind of get it for themselves. It is definitely going to be this family angle. But Nintendo's nailed that. And, and, it's been a, and they've been really rewarding that audience for showing up with a lot of titles really aimed for them. I think that's what's happened with the Mario sports games we were talking about earlier, where it's like. They aren't as meaty for hardcore gamers as they once were, but they're pretty good party games. And that's who they've been making these games for. And now they are basically just going to serve that audience up what they really want, which is like a fun way to get everyone moving, to get everyone out of their rooms and kind of hanging out together. Uh, Even if it's something they only do once a month for a couple of months, it's still, I think most people are going to be pretty happy with it. And I love, I love the Wii sports games. Wii sports resort, I think is one of Nintendo's best games. It's, it's really cool that they're going back to this.
0: I wonder if the, you know, just using the accelerometer and not having a sensor uh, will have the, yeah, the fidelity. is so, as...
2: Yeah, so I think the, the big thing there is is that the sensor was important for a few games, but mostly it was just using the accelerometer. And the accelerometer in the Joy-Cons is significantly better than even the Wii Motion Plus. So it mm. should be
0: pretty good. All right. Very, very cool. I mean, uh, I'm definitely one of those families that had, you know, I got to switch for myself before I had kids and now I have kids and now I have um, Mario Kart because you just, you got to have, and Disney obviously getting in on the action there too with Disney Speedstorm announcement. um, And my kids love uh, Mickey and the Roadster Racers. So Disney Disney Plus. So, I mean, I think
2: think I'm going to be buying Disney
0: Speedstorm for as well. It's it's a free to play game. It's free to play. Oh, that's right. Yeah.
2: It's from Game Loft, which is like one of those early mobile developers, and they um you know, they switched they they switched to doing free to play games, but they were the ones that were selling games for like five dollars a pop early on and stuff like that. So yeah. uh they've been doing this a long time. So uh, I'll be interested to see what the microtransaction situation is in this game, but free to play. Yeah, that's a little scary. I, I forgot yes, that it, it was is free to play. Yes, it is it's it's a like, I think makes, I think it'd be curious. nice if you could just buy for sixty dollars, right? Yeah, just call it a
0: day. Uh, Yes. Yeah.
1: I'm curious on Switch Sports and I think it will sell really well as all of these most of these Switch family games do. I am curious how it kind of plays out now versus being a pack-in the way I mean Wii Sports was it was a phenomenon and some people got a Wii and never got anything else cuz that was the only game you know a lot of people needed and now having this come out per Nintendo halfway through the Switch's life cycle, tons of units out there. Um I'm curious if this will be a super hard to find uh, we or not. We fit um, ring fit adventure. Yeah. Thank you. Um, You know, like this is a doubling for exercise still as, as for folks in the pandemic or is that pandemic fatigue hitting people, you know, quote unquote light at the end of the tunnel. I'm curious if it will be as gangbusters as, um, as it was before. And, and I think mostly I'm surprised it took them this long (laughs) to do this. It seems like such a, no brainer, um, but Nintendo often you know they march to their their own rhythm, mm-hmm. and I think yeah, it'll be very it interesting like to
0: see this you you would have seen this before three two one switch, but uh yes. yeah, not the way
1: it played out <laughs> anyway, the biggest surprise though, Jeff, is Mario Kart, as you guys have both talked about deluxe and how many copies it sold. um, there were rumors of a Mario Kart nine floating around. Yep. And Nintendo went out and said, uh, Here's 40 something more tracks for the old Mario Kart. Yeah. Um, Buy it standalone, or it's included with the expansion pass, which is how you get the N64 and Genesis and also Animal Crossing DLC is included in that upgrade to your Nintendo Switch Online subscription. And I think this is big. You know, I think it shows a commitment to 43 million copies sold. and selling more, <laughs> multiple millions more, and monetizing further off that forty-three million, and a, a sign that Mario Kart Nine isn't coming soon because they're releasing these Mario Kart Eight Deluxe tracks. Well, is it through twenty twenty-three? I yeah, think is the, the end,
2: through the end of twenty twenty-three. Yep, yeah. End of twenty twenty-three. Yep.
1: Yeah, and that seems that seems like big big news to me. And also, these are old tracks updated for Mario Kart Eight which is exciting. So I, you know, I certainly have a lot of nostalgia for that franchise and it's going to be cool to revisit some of these, you know, GBA tracks now Mario Kart eightified, but I'm also kind of bummed that I'm still playing Mario Kart eight deluxe came out in 2017 and Mario Kart regular eight that I bought the DLC for on Wii U came out 2015,
0: 14,
1: 2014.
0: Four- as long as we have been yeah. doing this show.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Nintendo's on our same path. They just keep yeah, keep doing go. It.
0: And we are also offering pay- <laughs> DLC now. <laughs> you know what? If you're going to model for anybody, might as well model from Nintendo, right? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll take it. Uh, all right, uh, overall, I think uh, an interesting direct, but not one of those earth-shattering, uh, you know, can't believe they announced it uh directs, but uh, some meat Uh, The Switch continues to be a a pretty amazing console for the breadth of different stuff. You can play on it from indie stuff to all these uh, ports of old games. It's it's, it's an interesting approach. And as Jeff brought up, it's going to be interesting to see how and if the Steam Deck kind of alters that landscape a bit, if people have another option for playing uh, PC games uh, in the same manner.
2: Steam Deck will kind of... Stay to its its side, kind of be its own thing. It's it's uh, the price the pricing is pretty close, but you're not going to be able to go into a store and get one of these for a long time. Yeah, and that family audience that we're talking about, just no way they're going to show up for this in the ne- in the first couple of years. Uh, but there's gonna be there is gonna be a lot of reasons probably to get the Steam Deck. Uh, but you're probably still going to be getting your Switch too for your Nintendo games, and uh, and uh, it's it's going to be a more streamlined experience obviously because of Nintendo. But I, I guess the thing I'm wondering about is we get a direct like this and I thought, I thought it was pretty solid. And there's a lot of games. I mean, like there's like two games coming out in June. Like I was looking at the dates you putting in here, Fire Emblem Warriors and Mario Strikers both coming in June. That's two. Yep. There's uh, Advance wars in April. There's uh, they're, they're basically, they're, they're, they're filling out this schedule just for the first half of the year with this direct. Mm-hmm. And then we got another direct probably coming around the E3 time frame, And that's going to fill out the whole rest of the year. Probably start talking about stuff that's in 2023 beyond the Mario card eight DLC. Um, seems like they got, plans for this specific system coming for quite some time. When do you guys think we
0: get Switch 2? That's a great question. I honestly thought it would have happened already. Um yeah. but clearly, you know, the OLED one was just announced. I, I wouldn't put it past Nintendo to uh surprise everybody at the end of this year, but I think we have at least one more year before we hear about anything for Switch 2. Yeah. yeah. Well, for
1: Nintendo, this is half this is halfway half of the Switch's life cycle. Yeah. Um
0: you
1: know, Prior to Pokemon Legends Arceus, I would have believed them a little bit more. Um, I love Pokemon Legends Arceus, but it is the first game I played on my Switch that really made me want that Switch, you know, Pro or whatever it sure, is. Yeah. So I think it depends on what Nintendo is doing for Breath of the Wild Two. Like, like, does it need more horsepower or not?
2: Yeah, even Metroid yeah. Prime Four, right? Because that's the one that's like going to come after Breath of the Wild Two. Is that the one on, that's going to straddle generations? Oh, is it just never going to come? <laughs> you're making <me> sad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I yeah. think it's. I think it's early 2024. Is what I think is is when we'll get it. But uh, yeah, this thing because they expect this thing to sell 20 million units the next next year and like 23 million units or something like that or by the end of this year, uh, which is like in three months for them, and then yeah. another 20 million, another 20 million. When you when you're selling 20 million consoles a year, you just don't. Pull the plug on it. You don't pull the rug out from underneath it. So yeah, where I think we're still a few years off. I mean, they're sitting.
0: They're sitting right now with a Wii, and they don't want to introduce a Wii U. Exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. (laughs) I think that's exactly right. All right, so Christian Spicer, what is your story of the week?
1: I mean, the Nintendo Direct is is by far the biggest story of the week, and then even though we are recording a little later than normal, um, so we can do this the Horizon discussion we're going to have. Video game companies still managed to save their news until after we record. So <laughs> <laughs> Cyberpunk's going to be getting some news and Capcom's going to be getting some news. I I do love teasers for teasers. I think they can be exciting, but I don't want to spend a bunch of time on Capcom's teaser for teaser because we'll find out what it is for sure. And then I want to spend a lot of time on it, assuming it's what I, fingers crossed it is. Um, the other big news is is coming out of not yet Microsoft's but maybe soon to be Microsofts. Hey look, we're only we're, we don't have monopoly Microsofts. Uh mm-hmm. Activision talking about this year's Call of Duty, which is big because one it's this year's. They're they're saying that yes, it's still this annual release schedule for now and it's a sequel to Modern Warfare 2019. So this is Modern Warfare 2 2022, which is not Modern Warfare 2 2022. 20, i don't understand why it's confusing it's, it's all right there <laughs> in, the, in the dates and, and titles and warzone 2 which i think is maybe the bigger news is just kind of the confirmation of it yeah but the same week we also had warzone 1 devs this is a family show so i can't say what they said but they said they messed up with warzone 1 and kind of acknowledged it's uh a mess and I think that news with the news of Warzone two coming in the same week is, is huge for a billion dollar, um, property. I think it's the first of these massive, um, battle Royale free to play games that we're seeing go full, it seems go full second iteration where, you know, skins, characters, all that stuff might get left behind on in Warzone one. And they're starting fresh, um, Fortnite hasn't done that apex hasn't done a full reset we've seen certainly some battle royale shut down but we haven't seen one do this full you know engine change skin change whatever Warzone 2 is going to be and, and i think that's fascinating
0: and it's being led by infinity ward i mean i i don't know I, i'm not as tied into the call of duty community as some uh jeff maybe you can Uh, enlighten me do we still feel like infinity ward is the is the a team and treyarch is the b team or has that changed
2: uh it's it's not as stark as it once was uh but it's uh, definitely in recent years it's sort of swung back to that being the case where infinity ward seems to be the lead now that you know they lost a lot of talent when respawn happened that was that's years and years ago now and treyarch through that time was sort of like a rock and they were definitely considered the A team through that time by a lot of fans i think after modern warfare uh in what it was 2019 2018 whatever it was uh i think after that one they're like okay no infinity ward is back on top this is the aesthetic we like this is uh the, the gameplay we like they, they are just putting it all together and so having them be in charge of you know modern warfare 2 but also warzone 2 uh, i think there's a lot of fans are gonna have a lot of high hopes especially after a disappointing vanguard and a disappointing sort of update to Warzone. Um, this is this is kind of wild though it's 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 weird that it's going to go full sequel for a a, a live service game like you see so many developers are afraid to do that like even uh, uh bungee's afraid to like launch a destiny 3 for for a lot of reasons they're very happy to just keep updating it and i guess yeah. it makes sense you look at something like um war Warframe. Warframe is, uh, is a game that launched the beginning of the last generation uh so like 2013 And it was this small little thing and it got some attention at the time because there was nothing else to play on the PS4 or whatever. And then I I look a couple years later and it's bigger than it's ever been. And then you look a couple years later again, it's bigger than it's ever been. And they've never released a a second one. It just keeps getting bigger. And yet with Warzone 2, they're going to kind of do that exact thing. And there's people who've bought like $20 skins for that game repeatedly. Like you can go get uh, a John McClane uh, from Die Hard. You can go play as him in in Warzone right now. And that $20 skin is not going to transfer its... I, there's a lot of chance for alienation here and yet there's one f- series i think that has built an audience that is uh, capable of withstanding alienation maybe it is call of duty
0: i think you put that very very well yeah I, it's it's clear that it is a risk in in you know in splintering your audience and seeing how long they still support the earlier game and and how they try to push people into the second game um you know another game i'd bring up that never did this is world of warcraft right is that right. you never saw world of warcraft 2 and i think um a lot of those i i point to i mean we saw it with destiny you brought up destiny we saw it with destiny 1 destiny 2 uh and we hear that internally bungie was very against having a numbered sequel and sort of forced into it um it's i you know i wonder how this audience is going to react but as you said this particular franchise is and people who love it are have been groomed into into accepting these yearly sequels these you know jumping into the new game so maybe it will won't be as big of a a splintering as as other games might have to endure
2: Um, i I will say that it's this is definitely indicative of like the problems at activision though right overall where yeah You know, uh, Call of Duty was down year over year. It's kind of on a a downward slant. You know, what is our solution here? Well, more Call of Duty than we've ever had before. We've got (laughs) Modern Warfare 2. We've got Warzone 2. So we got multiple sequels happening. We also are going to put Warzone on mobile alongside Call of Duty mobile. We're going to have four games going that are all called Call of Duty. What about Tony Hawk? Go, go, go to heck, Tony Hawk. Like, yeah, get yeah, out of here. Yeah. Go yeah, go, go back. Get back in your hole. I remember uh, that's, nothing that's about goes. that. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I remember no does,
0: Guitar Heroes. I remember yes. no – yeah. Exactly. It does
1: seem like uh, they were maybe forced into this in some ways also, like reading through and and looking at some of the commentary about Warzone 1 where All Signs Port 2, it wasn't kind of meant to be what it became. It, you know, it was a – it would be the battle Royale game for that year. And then there'd be another, but then it became so big and now they stuffed four games, three games, three games plus an expansion, I think into Warzone. and And that framework just didn't seem built to be able to balance all of that. And it became a less good experience. And so I think, players might be willing to jump over to warzone 2 hopefully there's some sort of like ambassador program or something like
2: yeah well, i mean yeah, John we, 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 we they did this already like i'm like we're talking about this like this is completely new for them but they had blackout and then they made warzone so yeah, that's something a they've done before it's, it's, a, it's a great point, point. It's, it's easy yeah. to forget about that because warzone's been the success that blackout was not quite so it's right. like they have it now why would you change it but they've done it before so they've already been through this and they've seen it work so i, I guess it makes some sense and hopefully this one's future proofed
1: a little bit better, like so they don't have to. Like, right. they, I mean, what I think is most impressive about Fortnite is everything, um, but also <laughs> the way that that game it they updated the engine, like they did a yeah. full engine update, and because Unreal is made up of uh, witches and wizards, as I'm convinced uh, the Unreal <laughs> Engine it still scales across Switch. And plays fine. You know, not the ideal way to play, it, but still plays I mean, yeah, fine. It's all the way
2: down to a mobile phone from like five years ago. It'll still run yeah. On, So, yeah.
1: Yeah. And then it looks great on a high-end PC. And it looks like, you know, as good as any current-gen game. And so I think that's super impressive. And and I'm curious to see how many of these other live service games can do that. And and hopefully um, Warzone 2 is that. But again, this is all coming under, you know, not Microsoft management. So that's the other asterisk in this story for me, I think, is like, If Microsoft, you know, this merger does happen or acquisition does happen, how do these plans change, if at all, uh, a year from from now
0: again? Yeah. All right. My story of the week uh, is is a quick one, and I want to bring it up specifically because Jeff is here. And, Jeff, you are so uh, skilled at uh, interpreting interesting news items, rumors, uh, breaking them yourself. Uh, This is one that was reported uh, by Bloomberg about – the future of the Assassin's Creed franchise. We know that there is some sort of game being made called Assassin's Creed Infinity or Infinite um, that we don't really know the details of yet, but this is a story about how uh, what was intended as DLC for Assassin's Creed Valhalla is being spun off into its own standalone game. Uh, It is said the game will not be a big open world game, but a smaller in scope, focused on stealth. Uh, It's evidently codenamed Rift and will be released later this year or at the beginning of 2023. Uh, Also in this story, I want to get your feedback on that, but also in the story, another big thing is sort of a checkup on uh, Beyond Good and Evil 2, which is a game I literally sat in a room and watched someone play at an E3 Uh eons ago. Uh, but evidently, after five years in development, it's still in the pre-production phase. So uh, your reaction to both of these news stories?
2: Uh, yeah, I, uh, the real quick, Beyond Good and Evil 2. I, I mean, I'm not surprised that thing was always sort of vaporware. They were always positioning it as, listen, we're going to make a big splash at this E3 so that we create a lot of buzz, so that we can make sure our stock price is healthy, so we can fight off Vivendi, who was trying to acquire us at the time. That was mm. kind of seemed like was always a a part of that strategy and um i'm I'm still of the opinion that beyond good and evil 2 is never going to happen i mean i I think this is just kind of them Uh, yeah i'm sure there's people probably in a room still maybe thinking about it but i think they're also kind of doing it uh in a way that's like if anyone ever really took a look at what we're doing they'd probably shut us down that's kind of that's my (laughs) opinion
0: but is that why they were literally having a program where like hey audience yeah. make
2: content for us yeah. yeah yeah like they're like that's that was their big announcement like, like it was like joseph gordon levitt's uh like hit record tv was like hey why don't you do some spec work we're not going to pay you for and if you get selected maybe we'll give you some money it was like oh no and then joseph, joseph gordon levitt got in a lot of trouble for that from people who were mad about him but whatever i, I still that's never going to happen so uh or if it does i will be very surprised um <laughs>
1: wait till you see to- the t-shirt i made jeff because Uh-oh. if you see this t-shirt they're gonna push the whole game forward
2: because it is phenomenal i submitted it five years t-shirt? ago I'm excited <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll uh well, when it comes to assassin's creed i'll kind of point out something i talked about on grub snacks uh ubisoft's moved from a blueprint model which is what they called uh, and i'll explain in a second to a uh, a mothership and satellite model and basically what it is is the blueprint model is we have a blueprint for a game and we are going to release a game under that blueprint every year if possible so we've got that with assassin's creed for a very long time Get assassin's creed game every year based on this blueprint and we're gonna have multiple studios working under this blueprint uh the mothership and and satellite model is something they switched to in 2018 and it is we are going to have one big live service game under this brand and it's going to be rainbow six siege and then we're going to have a bunch of smaller games that we will release under the rainbow six or or under the siege labels either one and they're going to be kind of smaller quicker hits. And they could sort of either supplement what's happening in this bigger mothership game, or they can come and go and either way, it's going to be fine because it's all going to be feeding back into the mothership. They want that for all of their games. So it's not surprising that while they are getting the Assassin's Creed mothership up and running, they're already working on satellite games and they're like, Hey, we already have this content that we've made. How can we kind of get it out there and present it as something that keep people excited about Assassin's Creed while we get this other big thing up and running. Uh, yeah, it, it, it makes a lot of sense uh, for their, what they're trying to do. I don't know if it makes a lot of sense for people who love Assassin's Creed. Um, I I think there's a good chance that a lot of people are going to be like, what what is this? This is not what I come to Assassin's Creed for. Or maybe some people will be like, hey, this is a nice, refreshing change of pace. I, I have no idea what to expect there. But uh, this makes sense for what Ubisoft believes its future is. Although I, I, for me, I'm like... If I were in charge, I would kind of work backward for like what's best for the specific franchise and not like, hey, we have one model of making games and we want that to apply to everything. But Ubisoft does some occasionally make a lot of money, so maybe it works for them. I'm I'm not sure.
0: Do you think they position this as a big AAA Assassin's Creed experience or does it? are they going to actually market it in a different way do you think? right because they've had they've had other sorts of
2: uh, assassin's creed games in the past right they've yeah. had the the vita games and they've right. had um 2d side scrollers and stuff yeah. and it's like is this going to be kind of like in that uh that tertiary realm where they're like oh, yeah yeah it's an assassin's creed game but uh it might show up on game pass or whatever pretty soon or something like that because we're not yeah. all that into it maybe i think there's a chance for that but also i think there's a part of them that are like hey we've We've got the marketing chops. We have people who we have on staff here that are good at marketing stuff. Why don't we just ramp them up and let them go to town on this and get people excited and try to make it into a big deal? Uh, I think it's probably going to lean toward that more than just trying to, like, push it out and forget about it.
0: Interesting. Uh, Christian, what's your take?
1: Yeah, I I, I hope they give it some noise, assuming it's good, right, and not – Not good, Um, because I do think pushing the Assassin's Creed franchise in other directions is interesting. You know, that's where what happened and gave us Odyssey, which was beloved by so many um, and, you know, brought a lot of freshness to a franchise that had seemed stale for a very long time after two. And I think if they're toying with new ideas, is this going to be Assassin's Creed? creed's blood dragon you know like i love (laughs) blood dragon i love the the weird for far cry 5 i loved all of the dlcs more than the main game more because i could finish them (laughs) without getting distracted and two because they did something very interesting be it narrative or one mechanic and played with it just long enough for me to fall in love with it and then as soon as i got bored with it the experience was over and so if this assassin's creed is that and if it's available to a wider audience and not tied behind Valhalla, um, I'm all in favor of that. That's what I loved about Blood Dragons, that it was available to everybody yeah. and not just folks that had Far Cry 3. Whereas if I, if I remember correctly, maybe they released some standalone later. But initially those Far Cry 5 um, modes were tied to like, you had to have the game and then you could buy them separately, but you had to have the base game, I think. Um, so anything that allows them to play and maybe let some developers cut their teeth on leading projects and becoming leads themselves. If maybe they weren't before, I love stuff like that. Um, you know, I'd look back at lost legacy and what that was for uncharted, uh, where that was included as uh, with uncharted four as a small DLC and then became something bigger and got its own standalone release. And a lot of yeah. the folks that worked on that game really sh- cut their teeth and showed their chops and took on big roles in, in Last of Us Two. And I think this could be similar and that has me very mm. excited to see what is a smaller Assassin's Creed. Because well, I probably saw one one hundredth of the content in Valhalla.
0: <laughs> what yeah, what what was uh what was Assassin's Creed Rogue? Wasn't that um...
2: yes? So when they were starting the last generation, and we were getting, I can't remember the game that launched aside alongside Black Flag. They, was it Black Flag? It might have been Black Flag. So they they released Black Flag for Xbox One and PS4. They still there were still a lot of Xbox 360s and PS3s out in the world, and they made Rogue for that, and they released yeah. it at the same time. And, and it was one of the, it was weird. Ubisoft kind of. Can't help themselves, but like support a new console when it comes out, and so yeah. they're doing that. And Black Flag was great, though. I'm glad they released that, but uh, like Rogue kind of came out at the same time, and it was like sort of a a, a full Assassin's Creed game, but slightly uh, smaller and just used to be able to play well on a 360 or whatever. It was a lot of people like it. I never got around to it.
0: Yeah. Well, interesting stuff, and uh we will see. um you know, Obviously, that if that's you know coming around at, at end of this year, 2023. It probably means no Assassin's Creed in that, or, you know, sort of mainline big Assassin's Creed for a couple of years, which I think is a good I mean, thing for that franchise. I want them to feel like big event releases rather than these yearly churns. So, right. yeah. All right. Uh, well, let's get into it. Let's, uh, we got to talk about uh, the games we've been playing, including Horizon Forbidden West, with both Jeff and I have been playing. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Wealthfront. Uh, If you are like me, you put off thinking about retirement because you go, oh, I'm so young. And then one day you wake up and you go, wait a minute. I'm not as young as I used to be. (laughs) And that, you know, it's never too early to start thinking about your financial solvency, your future, your retirement. Earlier you do it, the better off you are. And the beautiful thing about getting started with investing earlier in life is that you have more time to build your wealth. So don't be like me. Don't put it off until, you know, you're married and your wife insists on it. (laughs) Get started now and you can start investing in no time with Wealthfront's classic portfolio or make your own with things that you care about, like maybe socially responsible funds. You can find that easily with Wealthfront or technology. If you're into technology, you know about it or crypto trusts or hundreds of other investments that are available on Wealthfront. Wealthfront was designed by financial experts to help you turn your good ideas into great investments without the hassle of doing everything yourself. You don't want to spend hundreds of hours trying to lower your tax bill. They help you do that too. You're not sure how to rebalance your portfolio or even what rebalancing a portfolio is. They do it for you automatically. Wealthfront is trusted with over $28 billion in assets, which is, I think, a a third of an Activision. I think that's the technical term. Uh, Helping nearly half a million people build their wealth. And the best part is their product is so simple, and yet it's also powerful. It has a 4.9 out of 5 stars on Apple App Store. So start building your wealth and Get your first $5,000 managed for free for life when you go to wealthfront.com slash DLC. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T dot com slash DLC to start building your wealth. Go to wealthfront.com slash DLC to get started today. All right, Jeff, let's get into it. We uh, yep. delayed our recording today so that we could talk about Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, you and I have had it for a couple of weeks now. I am absolutely in love with this game. It's Good. everything I hoped it would be and more. Uh, tell me what you think of it.
2: Yeah, so I'm I'm still fairly early. I was putting in a, a few hours over the weekend. I, I've got, a, a, there's a million games coming out right now, a million things I'm, I'm looking at reviewing, keeping me very busy, but... I was um, and and we also I, Mike Minaudi over our staff actually put put out a review today, a, a review in progress because even him like focusing on it couldn't get through it. It's such a big it's massive game. It is massive. massive. Yes, like you're definitely you know the one thing I'll say like if you sought out a PS5 and you are looking for big exclusives to sort of validate validate that this game is definitely one of those. It's like it is you're going to get your money's worth in terms of the content and also in terms of the technology and and just being a, a fun overall game. Now, I was one of those guys who when um the Switch was coming out, they the, uh, it was I remember GDC was happening and the whole staff went out to GDC and I my kid was just born, so I stayed home and then they sent me a Switch with Zelda and I played that and, and fell in love with Breath of the Wild and then tried to get into Horizon Zero Dawn after that and I bounced mm. off because I'm like Breath of the Wild, so fresh and innovative, and I uh, and I was there for that. And then I tried Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm like, I could see this is a quality game. There are zero issues that I have with this. It's just not clicking with me.
0: Uh, I, it's crazy those point- games came out with like within yes. like a week of each other. It's crazy. Same
2: time, basically. It, 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 you know, when you stretch it out long enough, they basically came out the same minute, and it was like this. <laughs> you had to choose one or the other because they were yeah. both pretty big games. Uh, and, I, you know, I, I followed up with Horizon Zero Dawn. It was like, yeah, I, just hard to get into for me. Now, years later, I didn't try to force myself to go back to Horizon Zero Dawn. I was happy just to jump into this game. Um, I've, you know, caught up on the, on the story or whatever. I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, that seems pretty interesting. doesn't seem like they necessarily needed a sequel for the story, but I'm glad they've gone back to this world because it's very interesting. And getting into it, I'm like, uh, okay. They have basically polished up everything that I, I, I enjoyed about the first game and also made it flow a little bit better. I think that the beginning, the tutorial section is still very big and they want to make sure that you are comfortable in that world. And it's going to take a little bit of time to break out to that open world. But uh, I think overall though, it is, it has been very fun. It has been the kind of thing where, okay, they are doling out new things for you to do and everything that they had in the original is just better. And I, I'm, I'm really enjoying it.
0: Yeah, me too. I mean, it, it is a home run from my perspective. I it's, it's what I love most about video games. I mean, it, it really, I feel like I keep playing it going, if I was gonna make a game, my dream game, I think this would pretty much be it. And then I go, well, you know, I, I do love turn-based strategy. Oh, they put in an entire turn-based <laughs> strategy game inside yeah, it too. So much. It's There's it's so much. really deep and interesting and cool. It's like ah, oh, they they did everything. Um, it's uh, it, it's gorgeous as you said. I've been playing it on PS5, but only on the uh, the frame rate mode. Like I frame mode same. Yeah, I don't. No, why anybody wouldn't like it's so silky smooth, and I don't. I tried to perceive some graphical difference or downgrade when I go to perform. I don't really very hard
2: see it. to see. It, it's, yeah. a, it's a beautiful game in
0: performance mode, so I wouldn't hesitate to use that if frame rate's something that's important to you. Yeah, and you know the game is called Forbidden West. And you can play it for like ten hours before even going to the yes. Forbidden West. It's crazy. It's there's literally the as you said, like sort of the tutorial section. The first game's tutorial section was, I think, very well done. But you were little kid Aloy, and yes. so it always it felt like, well, I'm not even in the game yet. And this one, you feel like you're in the game. I want to do everything. I want to do. I want to climb this mountain. I want to see what's at the top. If I want to do all this cool stuff, and then it's like. Do you want to go to the Forbidden West? It's like, oh wait, I'm not in the Forbidden yeah. West. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh it's pretty cool. Um but yeah, and then once you finally do, you know, venture out into the quote-unquote Forbidden West, the map is just massive with tons of stuff to do, and it's one of those games where I find myself really genuinely wanting to do everything. Are there things that are sort of filler open worldy stuff? Yes. But I, I still, they're still fun. They're still interesting. I mean, all of the little details that Horizon series does really well, which is the hunting of the mechanical monsters and being able to knock off specific parts of them that you then use in crafting stuff. I think the crafting economy in this game is second to none because everything is fed through the crafting economy. Everything you want to do is fed through that. And it's so smartly done. Um, and, and it's just like breaking off pieces of monsters or taking them those yeah. mechanical monsters down in interesting ways and how much variety you have at your disposal all the time. And what, you know, do you want to set up wire traps and create a, like a kill box for them? Or do you want to stealth or, you know, there's expanded melee opportunities with all kinds of new layers of, of systems where you have these valor abilities that let you, you know, buff up your stats for short periods of time and do cool stuff. There's, a really cool thing where if you do enough melee attacks your spear gets charged and then you do a heavy attack which highlights a specific spot on the enemy that if you then shoot with an arrow does massive damage so it like gets you to switch up your your approach by being melee and then shooting an arrow and it's it's fun and you know shooting specific parts of stuff is fun it just everything is fun and i love the world i love the fiction i love the uh I, I love the the style of this sort of lush um sort of um you know tribal community on top of a layer of technology like that mashup of that of the the fiction is so good you're you're right jeff that the first game and i think it's a credit to the first game feels like such a complete thought like they didn't yeah. leave it open to a sequel, they really completed that story that this sequel feels like, I mean, the main plot is, uh, yeah, but there's more. You know, that's basically yeah. the idea is, uh, yeah, no, no, you did everything. Yes, you definitely did everything in the first game and saved the world. <laughs> but also maybe you didn't, you know, it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's you know, it's a little bit, um, Contrived in that sense, but i you know i don't even care because it, I just no. love being in this place. Aloy is a fun character to to hang out with, and there are some big reveals that change up the the uh the status quo I don't know if you've gotten to them, Jeff, but there are some massive reveals that are just like, what is happening? The other thing that this game does that most open game open world games don't at least in my experience is it really uh, does have, like, set pieces. Yeah. Um, you know, this is a big open-world role-playing game. It really is. You're you're getting new skills all the time. I mean, I love the fact that individual quests give you skill points. You don't just have to get to the next level to get skill points. Like, a quest's reward will be skill points. I love that because you're constantly, you know, the skill trees are huge and kind yeah. of disorienting almost. Um, but... So it is a big role playing game, but unlike a Skyrim or something, it, it actually has not just like really greatly crafted quests, which it does, but it'll have full on set pieces where you're doing something unique, more like a, an Uncharted or a, a, a big adventure game that's linear. You know, this is a big open world game, but they'll have these incredible set pieces where you're doing something wildly different than what you've been doing. And they are thrilling. They're really well done. And some of them, you know, are big surprises or big, cool things that I didn't see coming that, that, you know, introduce new dynamics in the world that are super, super cool. The game uses the new underwater stuff a lot. There's always something to explore. You're always rewarded for your curiosity, going around the next bend, finding a cool thing. And again, it all feeds back into that, that crafting economy. So you're, you know, you're constantly getting stuff, but all the stuff is useful. And um, I mean, th- I love the little things. I love, it's one, something I've harped on a lot on this show is games where any dialogue is just like, I'm talking to a person and I'm looking directly at their face and now I'm just talking at them and they're talking at me. This game, every conversation, not just the main quest, every side quest, every single conversation you get into is shot like a movie. You're, the characters are doing things while they're talking to you. They're maybe walking. They're maybe sharpening their knife or picking their teeth. Or everything is meticulously crafted to make it feel like this cinematic experience. I love that about. It. I mean, I, there's so much I like about this game. It, it is really a very satisfying experience. Yeah, you,
2: you could see why it needed to be delayed specifically for performance capture during COVID. Like you could see, like that. Looks like they did so much more than the average game. Uh, that sort of stuff and really that's like i think that is the thing that i think defines it is that they do so much more with this game than most other games even attempt uh and that's not just in terms of like variety uh but it's it's it also has to do with like scope and i think that's um like you mentioned this is the, exactly the kind of game that you would make and that, that fits with you it, it's it's not for me it's mm-hmm. um the exact kind of game is for me is like the ones that are more uh sandboxy in their physics so it's why i could so well with breath of the wild or why i liked halo infinite so much. Uh, but What this game does is it's like they build out the the simulation of their combat experience so much. It is so deep. There's so much opportunity there for experimentation that it ends up almost feeling like a sandbox. They're they're not really simulating a lot of physics but there's so many ways to capture these these enemies or to take them on or to think about them that basically it feels similar to a physics sandbox and it's like wow it's that takes a lot of work if you are doing it in this like simulation route so and yet they did all that work and it's it's an incre- incredible it's, it's to their credit and so i'm i'm uh, and i do they do that in every single aspect everything they try is they're gonna, not just going to try and they're not just going to throw it in there they're going to do their best to to make that look as good as possible
0: yeah, I, I completely agree. And it, it's so cool. I mean, you have this desire to take down these big monsters because you want to craft the next cool thing. Well, you have so many opportunities. Like I said, you can try to trap them. You can set up a, 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 a thing to try to lure them into. You can sneak up and maybe just knock off, you know, scan them with your, your cool uh, gizmo and sense exactly the part that you want, that you need for your thing. And instead of having to take down this huge monster, you can try to just knock that one part off, run over and loot it, and then get out of dodge, you know? It's a cool strategy to do that. You can hop on the back of a mount and chase them around and be fast and just shoot from the back of a mount. I mean, I found myself having so many really cool emergent experiences that just happened because I wanted to take down this this monster. And that... and. The, uh, the density of things that are happening in the environment at any given time is really cool. You know, I found myself stumbling upon things that I wasn't looking for, you know, just people in the woods doing a thing and I could help them out. And oh, all of a sudden it, it opens up a quest that wasn't there or, you know, it it really doesn't feel like I'm just going to the next spot on the map, even though there are tons of spots on the map. It, it, it does feel a little more dynamic and there's actually a mode that you can start the game in that says it turns off all of the notification of where stuff is. So it really creates this kind of exploration version of the game where you, mm-hmm. you, you really have to look for stuff instead of it just saying, you know, you're 20 paces away from the, the goal, you know, and
2: I think that that works really well in that open world mode. I think in the the early sections, it's i uh, I'm glad I had that stuff turned on, but then yeah. I did once I got in the open world mode, or open world section, I turned that off and it was like, okay, it is because they, they do a really good job of, of signposting and kind of, if something looks interesting, go check it out. There's going to probably be something there and they, I mean, it's, I can't imagine just how difficult it was to design this world because it's so intricate in a way that so many of these games aren't, or, or when they are, it's like Red Dead Redemption 2 where most of the time it's, it's set dressing. Most of the time it's there to, to like look pretty good and look realistic. Uh, But when you go to, if it's not something they thought about you interacting with, well, you're not going to really interact with it. And here it's like, it, it, they kind of split the difference in a really effective way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you know, Christian, you may have uh, some of your, your classic Christian qualms with, with the way the story is presented because it is, it is saying, Hey, you got to get West and you got to get there fast because the world's in peril. And then right. it's like, but there's about <laughs> 200 people that need you. And the game constantly is, is, you know, you're constantly going back and forth. I mean, fast travel is a thing and it's very useful and it's, you know, it's great in this game, but it, it, it is a little strange, a little, you know, cognitive dissonance of you got to go West. It's like, but also come back here anytime, you know, uh, which you will be doing a lot because the quests are often, you know, ferrying you back and forth between places. And uh it, There's, there's actually an element of even of uh, Metroid prime style. You can't get here yet. You, you found a cool thing, but the game will even say you don't have the tool required for that yet. Uh, So you need to go farther in the main story in order to get the cool tool. Um, So there is a lot of backtracking. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah.
2: I was gonna say there's a lot of cool tools too. So there are it's like, a lot of cool tools. You're gonna get some fun stuff to play around with in this game. Uh, yes, yeah. it's um, it's excellent.
0: Yeah, and you start the, the game the with that thing you've seen in the cool trailers, tools. the the, sorry, the tripwire yeah. pull thing. Yeah, which the is, is super caster, awesome. I think they call yeah, yeah and pull it, caster, it's, Right,
2: right, and it's it's again, it's not like again, we're not simulating actual physics here you're not going to be using it wherever you want it's not right. like Breath of the Wild even though in the trailers it looks a lot like Breath of the Wild you're not going to be climbing anywhere you're not going to be hitting this hook shot wherever you want it's set up for specific areas but the game is so uh overwhelming in terms of like uh, 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 the intricate of its of physics and its design and, and the uh, the geometry and stuff like that, you're almost welcome the fact like, okay, I just have to worry about using it here. And right. when I'm supposed to use it, it's just a double jump. You hit the the, the jump button twice and you're just going to pull yourself up and say, okay, if it was this really intricate thing where I could use it anywhere, this game would have to look you know, probably a lot simpler than it does. And so I'm like, kind of grateful for that, that. That's the path they chose.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, you can climb a lot of, of the surfaces in the game. A lot of them you can't, but a lot of the surfaces you can climb and it doesn't have the you know the sort of white paint or yellow paint yes. it has a little of that for highlighted stuff but but it allows you to use you know activate your thing and then you know your your vision your cool techno vision that Aloy has will highlight the places that you can walk so you have the option to get as much assist as you want and i think the game overall does a really really good job of walking that line of saying hey you can be as immersed in this world as you want or you can have as much handholding as you need in order for us to tell you exactly the paths. Uh, and I think that's, that's not an easy thing to pull off with game design. So it's cool. Christian, do you have any questions? 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 Yeah, yeah, I have a
1: few one, like, and I feel like I have a pretty good sense um, listening to you, you two talk, but I'm curious, does forbidden West feel like, you know, more of the same, uh, a, a great addition to this franchise, Or do some of these new abilities, and without getting into spoilers, Jeff, for like some of these big set piece moments, um, does it feel like, you know, the classic example in Assassin's Creed 2? Does it like take what was built in one and kind of blow it up in new and interesting ways? Or is it uh, OG God of War 2, where it's like OG God of War was this incredible experience and OG God of War 2 you know, gave you a bigger set piece and a larger play area to play in. Like, how does it feel as a sequel
2: um, to something that was great before?
0: Jeff, do you want to ask that? Yeah, uh,
2: I I think that it's it, it's in a weird place where it's um it definitely feels like more of that first game, absolutely. But um, there are key key improvements, and not all of them are like subtle. A lot of them, it's like, oh, this is obviously better. Um, but I I think. Overall, I think the best comparison probably is something like Uncharted to Uncharted 2. I, I think especially if you enjoyed the first one, you're going to come to this one. And you're like, oh, this is probably my game of the year, I, yeah. I think. But and but uh, if you did not enjoy the first one, uh, there's a chance this one might a better chance. This one might win you over. But I still think for the most part, it's like it is still that game. It's still mostly a map game. It's not. I, I, it, not to, to, to dismiss it like that. And i Oh, it's just like one of those things that Ubisoft makes. It's definitely got its own flavor and its own design. And, and, but it's still, it's still that game. And, uh, but I, th- I think that the improvements are, are noticeable. And I do think that the improvements are as equal as they were from Uncharted 1 to Uncharted 2.
0: Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I think it is, I don't know if you, if you are, you know, played Horizon Zero Dawn and said, this game isn't for me that this one will be. I, I do not think that's the case it's got really cool new stuff. I mean, there are new gadgets that you get that are really cool. The, 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 the fact that every piece of water that you come to is now explorable and there's yeah. almost invariably something interesting. If you go down into the water, uh, is super cool. Um, there's new enemy, no new, uh, mechanical monster types, the expanded and improved melee combat where you, you know, fighting humans now, uh, I mean you fought humans in the first one too but I think in a much more interesting way uh in this game and I think the the world itself the new biomes the the the, the look and feel of the forbidden west I think is really cool it, it, you know yes it's more of the same but I think it adds enough fresh interesting stuff that it doesn't feel like an expansion or anything like that it really does feel like no. a, a whole new game and the the way it ramps up the the bad guys, you know, like the bad guys are capable of doing new stuff and, and it has some, has some real surprises in store, which is, I think pretty cool. Uh,
1: grub, you mentioned that, you know, for folks who love the first game, this might be their game of the year for my February newsletter. I looked back at the last 10 years and there might be some outlet somewhere, but the last decade, no February game has won game of the year. And with this February being, the february of all februaries i'm super curious if forbidden west or to sandwich another question into this for you uh jeff's elden ring is a week away yeah right? it's crazy is that is that this year's breath of the wild is that going to be (laughs) the shock of the from you know the revitalization of the from formula that opens it up in this big way that you know bloodborne was a shift from what dark souls did but it wasn't a fundamental pivot yeah. and is Elden Ring going to be that that poor horizon can't find a release window
2: <laughs> yeah and do I, either I, of those I, I stand
1: was... the test of the year come game of the year time uh,
2: uh, yeah i think there's a strong chance that that Elden Ring definitely Breath of the Wilds and i think like even if Breath of the Wild 2 comes out this year um i think yeah yeah it'll have like the benefit of uh, recency bias and all that stuff but i think it's it'll probably be in a similar situation to Horizon Forbidden West where Uh, people are like, this is a very good game that was um, a lot like that last one I played. Uh, And I think that'll be the very quick, fiery take from a lot of people. And they're like, they will want (laughs) to reward a new thing, even even if it's like a from game in in the open world. We've had a lot of open world games people are going to be ready to reward from for going open world and i bet it's going to actually get a lot of people into from games because something about open world where when i play dark souls and i run past an enemy i feel like i'm i'm cheating a little bit and and i think a lot of people feel that way where it's like oh i'm I'm supposed to beat the guy in front of me in an open world running around (laughs) something it's like well yeah i ran around the giant in skyrim i'm gonna run around this giant here he looks tough i'm not gonna go fight him i think it's gonna like click a lot of people's heads where they're like this now makes sense from's Difficulty now works even better in this setting and people are going to be ready to reward it. You know, obviously we've got to see if it's gonna actually deliver, but for the most part, I think if it's as good as recent from games, I think there's a strong chance that people will ready be ready to reward the novelty of that game rather than a very excellent execution on a model that we've seen
0: before. Yeah. Uh, I I I think that's spot on. I I will certainly be remembering this game. Uh I'm in love with it. want I, I, you know it, I love these kinds of games and this is one of the best of these kinds of games. I want to spend a hundred hours with this game. Like I want to yeah. do everything. I, I, I am loving all of the little minute things. I, I, you know, I spent, I can't even tell you how many hours playing the, you know, the Gwent esque uh, tabletop game. That's inside this game. Uh, I, You know, <laughs> I kept sitting there going like, I have this game early I should be progressing in the story to talk more about it. I just want to play this for a little while longer. And it's cool the way they do it. It ties back into the main story well, not main story, but what you do in the overworld, because you can get better pieces. Uh, it's almost like collecting magic cards or something. In the context of this game, you get better pieces by going out in the world and doing cool things and finding vendors or finding, you know, uh, unique items in, in chests and stuff. Uh, that make you do better in this this silly little turn based mini game that's in the right. game. It's like Pizak from Knights
2: of the Old Republic, but it's not. It's yeah. Even- yeah even better on top of that because it's, it's like more unique than
0: Pizarre, it's a just fully die-tank. designed board game inside right, the game exactly. i mean it's it's awesome it's not it's not just a card game it's like right. you're on a board game it's got terrain you've got unique pieces and you have to tra- it's so cool it's it, so but cool it's,
2: like, it's always so fun like when the games work that way where like you can get something
0: in the world and be like Ooh, i can go back and play that game
2: and beat that guy
0: exactly yeah. yeah it's rad it's rad i mean i i i'm I wanna play it right now. I like I all I want to do is play more Forbidden West. So um I think So that's the show. Thanks for being here. Canada's calling it. <laughs> yeah. He, uh... yeah. Uh all right. So Christian, if there's anything else you want to I mean, we're gonna be talking about it over the next few weeks, I'm sure, as you play it as well. And um it it, it is a crazy February, but um I'm glad yeah. I got a little, you know, early time on this game because it's uh it's special. It's really cool. And I think yeah. if it had come out at the end of last year, it probably would have been at the top of my list for last year too um yeah. you know it takes 2 is great um all right uh jeff you have another game on your list that uh, uh our guest last week was crazy effusive about as well and i uh, <laughs> i downloaded it tell us about that one
2: yeah uh vampire survivors is uh, kind of the the thing that i will always want to be playing cuz it's it's so easy to just start like Start up a game, and all of a sudden it's a half an hour later, and you've done a whole run, and you're like, "Well, how did that go by so fast?" Uh, it's it's it, it. I mean, if, they, if someone's describing it, recently, it's it's you know, it's Castlevania meets Robotron or whatever, or Castlevania meets uh, Geometry Wars, uh, but it's all done with just one stick, and it's auto. All things are based on cooldowns, your attacks, and stuff like that. The, the thing is, it's like by the end of a run, it gets so wild how you could just chew through and just burn through enemies, and it feels so. Satisfying uh it's exactly my it 's the thing that clicks in my brain so well where i 'm just like I am on an awesome run and it 's all working so well, and I did the exact right upgrade path for the enemies that i 'm facing, and as they get close close enough to attack me by the time they 're close enough to actually do damage they 're already disintegrated. And it's it's just yeah. fantastic, and it's got a great upgrade path. It feels a, a lot like a lot of games like that, where it's just like you're going to upgrade outside, you do the meta upgrades uh, outside, and that's going to be satisfying. But the meta up, or the, the upgrades within a level as you're doing a run is also satisfying. Uh, and so I could tell I'm going to eventually like burn through the content that is here in this early access version. But uh, I'm I'm just uh, kind of can't stop playing it either.
0: It's it's really good. My biggest wish for Vampire Survivors is that they come out with a multiplayer mode. Because be how much fun would that be very to, cool. to run around with a friend? You know, I just think that would be, I mean, it, it very much is a single player experience because you're just on this infinite chaos of, of, yes. of enemies swarming at you. But I think it would be so fun to, to sort of tag team with a friend and have that sort of back to back moment where you're fighting yes. out hordes and you, you split off and then you, re- you reconnect. I think that would be so yeah. rad. Yeah, there,
2: there's like a, there's a hardcore mode on some of these levels where it just it basically up, amps, amps up the speed and it's like you could like do some other things where like you um, make it more challenging and make it like really impossible to do with one player and just kind of put two players in there and see if they could pull it off. I think that would be uh, very fun. Just trying to make it a half an hour because once you get to half an hour it's yeah some it's some bonkers main, maniac comes out and just destroys you immediately yeah you know, i've never gotten past there's a way to get past them i don't know i'm glad he exists It <laughs> enables me to take a break um yeah. but yeah it's like if there's like just a way to like get through that half an hour run that's impossible with one player i think that would be very cool
0: i agree i agree it it, it really is the best three dollars i've spent in gaming in, oh, in quite a long time <laughs> i mean it's a no-brainer <laughs>
2: It's what makes Steam so good. It's just like someone's going to put out a game for three bucks. It, it, come, it comes out of nowhere. It's early access. Yeah, let's just see it. Now it's like one of the biggest games in the world. It's it's fantastic. I, yeah. r- real quick, I didn't put in the list. I played Mina the Hollower. Did you guys see this game? No. Uh, it's, it's the new one from the Shovel Knight de- de- developers. They announced it last week. Mm. It's got a Kickstarter. Uh, they sent out some demo codes, and I've been playing the demo of that. And if you liked uh, Leaks Awakening DX or uh, The Legend of Zelda, uh Oracle of Seasons, or Oracle of Ages, it looks like a Game Boy Color game, and <laughs> it plays fantastic. You're this little cute mouse, and she dives under the ground, and she can burrow for a little bit, and then she pops up and does this big jump, and uh the combat's really great. You got a hook shot, and it just it looks so gorgeous. If you have any affinity for Game Boy Color graphics, it just captures that so well. In the same way that Shovel Knight captured NES, this captures Game Boy Color and uh i'm i'm in love with the way it looks the kickstarter is doing very well they were going to put this game out no matter what the kickstarter is just sort of like to build the community but they're also trying to make sure that community is as big as possible so i think they said it's like mina if you want to like check that out but uh yeah i've, I've been playing that i'm going to stream that that demo here pretty soon so it's 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 excellent it's worth checking out if you haven't seen it
0: nice mina the hollower that's right uh, i'm looking at it right now it does look really cool yes uh, it's, i love the, uh, really the graphics it's, it's awesome my my vibes, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Uh, so that's uh, Mina the Hollower, uh, uh, Vampire Survivors, and, of course, Horizon Forbidden West. Uh, Christian Spicer, what's on your playlist?
1: Well, my playlist was very much inspired by uh, the Nintendo Direct and a—I uh, forget if it was a Bold or Cool Ranch prediction, but there have been rumors— um, where there's smoke, there's fire, of a Metroid Prime remaster, remake for Switch. Yep. Um, it was
2: not
0: announced.
2: At yeah, I feel like this Direct. has been on
0: Grub Snacks a bunch, right? You've been talking yes. about this.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, real quick, I, I, I was, like, right before I was, like, on uh, doing our podcast, I'm like, oh, that'll be there. And then as soon as I got over, I'm like, wait, it's not going to be there. They're saving that for the 20th anniversary in November. So we'll hear about it later this year. But I, by... Expected by November. That game came out twenty years ago. November. They love anniversaries at Nintendo. Uh, that's that's when we'll get it. So I'm st- I'm still expecting it this year.
1: Well, I got impatient, Jeff.
2: Um, <laughs> I don't blame you. It doesn't even need a remaster. Just play the original. It's fantastic.
1: Fool me once, shame mm. on me. All those yeah. other times. So I exactly. uh, I went having not ha- getting an early code. No, uh, Jeff was playing Horizon, and I was like, Well, I'm not playing Horizon. Uh, what am I going to do this week? So I got my Wii U out, which also can play GameCube games. And I also own the Metroid Prime Trilogy on Wii U. And I dug that out of the garage, which was a a game of unpacking in and of itself, but far less satisfying than the actual game of unpacking, (laughs) because I had to repack all the crap uh, that I put away. Mm -hmm. But as I got that out and, and played, and I have the HDMI, you know, like the better cables for the Wii U, that led me into the rabbit hole of, you know what? No, I want to play the remaster. I want to play Metroid Prime remaster right now. So I fired up Dolphin. I'm not a huge yeah. emulator person. I, I love them. I appreciate them. I am the the, the weird uh, analog product person. I, I love original hardware, hence my Wii U. I love the analog and, and what they do to allow for playing of original Things or even playing your ROMs on original hardware so it processes the same. But I was like, no, no, no. I'm doing Dolphin. I have my rip of Metroid Prime, the GameCube game, uh, not the trilogy version. And I'm gonna load this thing up and and see see what's what because I want to play it. My goodness, my <laughs> Jeffs. Yes.
2: I am I, playing. I did this earlier. I did this last year. It's yep, oh, go ahead.
1: I am playing Metroid Prime, the GameCube version. On my beautiful 4k screen at 4k at 60 frames per second. And you might think, well, that sounds incredible in and of itself. And I would say, dear Jeffs, it is incredible in and of itself, but also, but wait, there's more. And one more thing. There is a fan made HG, HGTV, HD (laughs) texture pack The one I'm using was made by an AI rendering process that I think it's like 8,000, whatever it is. And now I'm playing Metroid Prime with a beautiful HD texture pack in 4K at 60 frames per second. And my goodness, one, Metroid Prime, I haven't replayed it. I think when Trilogy came out, I played like half of the first one. But th- since that was a Trilogy package, I was like, ooh, now I'll play some Echoes. Now I'll play some this. Now I'll play some this. Playing this first game again, even in this monster month of February, Metroid Prime has rocketed back to the very tip top, yes. top five, whatever it is, all time favorite games ever.
0: It's so good. It's
1: i sorry, go ahead. I yes, saying, timeless. It's timeless. It's timeless. It is such an incredible experience. And then looking back on it, especially talking about 13 years or 15 years since Mario Strikers, so many years since there had been a Metroid, uh, a a big weighty Metroid, to have Metroid Prime be the game, this total reimagining of a franchise, the Breath of the Wild of Metroid that takes this beloved goat of all time, Game Super Metroid, and totally throws away the perspective, <laughs> you know, of what it is, and does this first person game in a way that only Nintendo would, which is to not use any of the even at the day common first person play styles, and created a world that stands the test of time because of its art direction and taking enough of what. The franchise DNA exists, and reimagining it in this first-person perspective, there are so many details that I even played original resolution, no texture pack that exist in the game. That such rich world building when you first land the very first time, and you're scanning some of the, uh, you know, some of the holding cells, and it's like, oh, this is an animal that's native on Talon Four. This is an, an and it's like telling you where you're going to go, what type of creatures you're going to see. The way Samus's visor reacts to mist and heat, and the bloom effect around her cannon when you—it's just like all of
0: these details, dude. Just hearing you talk about it, I'm back in my apartment with my yeah. old roommate when we were playing this. Ugh. It's Same.
1: so incredible, and I, I'm not going to sit here and say that the control scheme couldn't be updated, but I will sit here and say, much like paint controls, very much fit. Resident Evil 1, when you play that version, the controls very much fit this game. They don't fit how Samus would actually move in the world. Like Samus, the human, you know, could run and aim at the same time. Like that's how it works. That's how people move. But the way they slowed the movement down and not doing a dual analog control, I think puts a lot of the Metroid-ness that existed before into this game where it is slower focuses on exploration adds tension because you want to go for the scan while the enemy's attacking or do something else. And then the levels they designed with those limitations in place, I think are truly some of the best level design based on an in-game system of a game I've ever played, because you have to be able to work within the confines of the controls the game gives you. And by doing so the game feels claustrophobic and the levels, even when they open up feel scary in a way that they wouldn't, if I could fly through it, like I could in cod or, or halo infinite or something like that. And the way that this game then delves out its story, I'm back to, you know, reading every little thing I'm playing mm-hmm. this game. Like I did, like you said, Jeff, back in the day, and you know, you're with your friends where like the way I played control recently, where I want to read everything because everything matters And I think a lot of games these days, that's not the case um, where there's a lot of filler text or filler lore. And in Metroid prime, it feels like all of the lore that's there is um, important in a way that it tells this story um, of of Samus's arrival on this planet and kind of what it means to, to the larger universe. Um, I do have one more, but there's more. Uh, But also As a testament to the art design, I think even without the HG texture pack, I think this game holds up really well because it did aliens and not humans. Like Call of Duty 2, was it Call of Duty Two? Blew my mind when it came out, you know, way back when. And you replay it now and you're like, oh, this looks like how I remembered Goldeneye. And then you look at Goldeneye and you're like, What is this? (laughs) Metroid Prime. The use of aliens and you know these non-human shapes for everybody except for Samus hold up really, really well because who's to say what this creature looks like? This creature looks slightly polygonal. <laughs> and then the worlds themselves are filled with enough variety. Again, you wouldn't mistake this for Horizon Forbidden West, you know, even with an HD text HD texture pack. Um, but it is beautiful enough, and maybe just for my nostalgic eyes, that I'm I get lost in the world immediately and I found myself I think I'm going to finish it because I'm deep. (laughs) I'm already very deep. But Jeff, the last, or Kanata, I should say, is this I think will interest you the most. This has been around for a while, but having not dug into the emulation scene of it it with this game, there is a branch of Dolphin that does VR. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yes.
0: I've I've heard of people playing uh, Prime in VR, but I've heard it is not a pleasant experience.
1: So... It depends, right? There are parts that are perfect. It hasn't yeah. been updated. At least the one I found was twenty nineteen, I think. Uh or twenty nineteen? Whatever. Like I couldn't it wasn't super recent, the the uh branch of, of Dolphin and, and like the files I was using to put this thing in. But the moments where it works best are like when you first land on Talon, and it's like you have this a
0: large area to kind of. Are you tried that? Oh, dude. Nice. On my, your my, on your uh on your quest? Quest cabled, nice. Um,
1: and so I didn't play a lot of it that way because I'm, you know, I don't have the VR legs that you do. Like I'm quick to nausea, uh, city, especially for games that aren't optimized for it. But I am not the guy that on this show sit here and says, yeah, but in VR.
2: <laughs>
1: but my goodness, yeah, playing Metroid Prime in VR, especially because it's not a graphically demanding game. You know, yeah. in, in the way that Forbidden West is. Right. Uh, and knowing that they made Resident Evil 4 VR, and I know Nintendo won't do it.
2: it would be Labo
1: yeah. VR, but my <laughs> gosh, dear Jeffs, all I want for Christmas is Metroid Prime 1 and gosh darn VR. I mean, that'd I'm be done.
0: pretty rad. Thank you very much. Be pretty rad. <laughs> uh, it's funny that you brought up uh, pulling out your Wii U, because I recently pulled out my Wii U at my son's request because oh. he, he's gotten so into Super Mario uh, that he's watched YouTube videos talking about the history of Super Mario. And he he says, Daddy, do you have this? Do you have this? Do you have this? And I always go, yeah, I have that. It's in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> can, we, can, we, can we plug it in? So we, he's been playing a ton of Wii U Um ton of wii u and it's funny it's for the first time i'm literally using the wii u in its intended use case where like his <laughs> sister gets to watch you know we, we have screen time so his sister gets to watch tv on the tv and he gets to play the game on the handheld you know of course we have you know the switch now as well which is the supreme version of that but from back in the day wii u is like someone yep. can watch television while you're playing a <laughs> video game you know uh and he's been you know playing mario maker and new super mario brothers u and like all the Mario games on Wii U. He's been loving it. So, like the Wii U is fully plugged in my house and like yeah. active use. Yeah. That's pretty cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. We do have parting gifts coming up. So stick around for those. And as I said, the parting gift is going to become its own show. That's going to be exclusive to patrons at patreon.com/slash dlc pod. I just checked. We have not been approved yet. But hopefully by the time you hear this, you can go and support us. If not, please check back. We'll remind you next week too, and probably every week from now on. Uh, But we want this show to continue and we want to keep making it for you. So uh, please support us. Please consider supporting us uh, and we'll give you extra stuff. Cool, fun things. Ad-free show, extra show. Um, But Jeff Grob, thank you for being here. Really appreciate it, man. It's always great to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. likewise, guys. Thanks for having me on. This is always fun. Of course. Uh, Tell folks where they can keep up with you and all the awesome stuff that you put out into the world.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Jeff Grubb. Um, uh, there's a link to my, my Discord in there. We've got a great community. People, we've got game nights. We play Mario Kart. Uh, we have a, a league basically every Saturday morning where a bunch of people get on there and they compete in our tournament and stuff. We'll be keeping that going as the DLC stuff comes out. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, and then, uh, yeah, if you follow me on Twitter, you, you'll get I'll always posts when I go live on Giant Bomb or post an article on GameSpeed or whatever. So that's the best way to keep up with me. Very, very cool.
0: Christian Spicer, what do you got going on this week?
1: Yeah, so I talked a little bit about it, but February's newsletter uh, went out. Um, it's public if you want to go through and read it and you aren't subscribed yet at tinyletter.com slash Christian Spicer. It's where I do my long form writing about video games, usually one or two a month. And this month's was about February's game of the year. Uh, I feel like every game that's come out so far, someone's like Sifu is my game of the year. Me talking about Ali Ali World. I know it's early but this could be my game of the year horizon forbidden west you all we got our game of the year (laughs) okay i know it's only february but but it shocked me that there hasn't been a february game of the year in over a decade um so you want to look forward to those get them into your email tiny letter.com slash christian spicer and then twitter is the best way to see what else is happening it is at spicer um like i stream this show live when we record it and um people have been asked uh, we'll have um vod video archives of this show as well when we do video versions um um they haven't existed before, but they will be part of uh the Patreon too so yeah can check video out on if demand. They wanna, yeah if they want to second screen them or whatever they're doing throughout the day um that's where they will live.
0: I think a fun way to uh to enjoy the show, and we haven't really leaned into video on demand before now, but we are going to, and Christian does a great job. Uh, adding uh, trailers and cool visual elements as well. So
1: watching me barf while trying to play more Metroid
0: and VR because it's so good when it works. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you can also follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Canata, which is spelled with two N's and one T the other shows that I do include the film cast about movies and TV shows. We have concerns, which is a comedy science show, the dungeon run, which is my long form fantasy storytelling show. And um, the the fan-controlled show, which is at twitch.tv slash fcf. All those available where you get fine podcasts. I urge you to check them out. I'm proud of them. All right, let's wrap the show up now with our parting gifts. Hey, give us a suggestion. Jeff, do you have a suggestion to help people get through their week?
2: Yeah, I'm I'm big into podcasts. I I recommended this to some friends the other day, and I was surprised they hadn't heard about it, so I figured I'd do it here. Uh, Business Wars, it's uh, a a, a narrative podcast. A genre podcast, I think, is actually very effective, where basically there's a a host, they had someone write up a story for them that's true, and then the host uh, narrates it, does voices, does characters. If you've read the book Console Wars by Blake J. Harris— It's basically that same exact concept instead instead of as a novel, it's done in podcast form. And I think it's almost a better uh, medium for it where, you know, someone's going to be kind of they're basically doing dramatizations of conversations that almost certainly did happen and when you're reading a book you're like is this is exactly how it went when you're in a podcast you're like i could tell this guy they're just trying to get the point across of like what the conversation was like it works really well and there's a lot they do like six episode seasons about different topics uh they've done a bunch of ones on video games they did you know nintendo versus sega and then they did xbox versus playstation uh but there's stuff like uh Guess Jeans versus levi or something <laughs> like that and it's like just as interesting i can't help but get into it it's um popcorn podcast i just put it on when i'm doing uh, other stuff and it's i usually end up getting very into it so i i
0: highly recommend it very very cool that's business wars the podcast christian spicer what is your parting gift reacher
1: on amazon jack reacher <laughs> not jack ryan which is also on amazon prime this is jack reacher which is on amazon prime based on the books not the tom cruise movies of the books but the, more from the source material talk about popcorn I, I don't know how to best describe this show other than, like, I keep watching it, and I love it. And it reminds me of, like, the early 90s. Like, every show was this, and it was like, here's a badass. Watch him mm-hmm. be a badass for an hour. What else? Do you need anything else? Yeah. The, me. the no?
0: Walker, Texas Ranger of TV shows. <laughs> yep. You
1: name it. Yeah. You name it. Whatever it is. Even Quantum Leap, to some extent. Yeah. Now, do you want to see a sci-fi yeah. badass? Yeah, I do. It's an hour. What else happens? We just told you. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> I, I like how bit much of a big deal they're making about him being really huge like he is in the books. If, uh, it reminds me of uh, – I post this at the Twitter. But uh, that Mystery Science Theater 3000 episode where a uh, Space Mutiny, where the guy's just really big. It's the whole time they're just making up nicknames for him, like, Large McBig Huge and, and Slap Beef Chunk. And that's what I want to do the entire time I'm watching this is just make up beefy names for this big, meaty man slapping meat. Yeah. It, and I think it's like the Tom Cruise movies. The
1: second one was a little flatter. The first one I liked, but it does first seem like – they don't it's want to like talk crap great, but yes no okay sorry they don't want to talk crap about those movies but they do want to differentiate it It's yes. like that's because it's like the movies you watched if you liked them they're fine we don't want to say bad things about them but finally we have a big dude playing yeah. the role
0: <laughs> it's funny <laughs> to me it's so funny that tom cruise or his people read a book where like the one distinguishing quality of the main character mm-hmm. is that he's basically the incredible hulk and tom yeah. cruise is like no nah, i can play that <laughs>
2: yep and he, every it line pulls up in the first movie i mean it's
0: a very different kind of character but
2: first very, movie's definitely better than this show but this show is still very much what christian is describing where it's on and i'm watching and i'm gonna watch the next episode too like i'm just gonna <laughs> keep going
1: <laughs> every every line in the book as well uh as i remember it from over a decade ago is like when yeah. new characters meet him, they always are like you're a tall dude i am <laughs> like that is it it's yeah. like you know to save a cat uh put an eye patch on a guy this was like we could give him an eye patch this was, it's like in the character creator and it's like taller mm-hmm. yeah yeah buffer <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> well that is reacher on amazon prime video um mine is going to be a little uh a, a little less light and fun uh i watched the show i people who have been following me know that uh, one of the most defining people in my creative life uh, when I was a kid was Bill Cosby. And uh, I he sort of defined my comic sensibility. I used to listen to my dad's old albums of his 1960s stand-up routines, uh, memorized all of them. I mean, it was a major part of my life, even before The Cosby Show. I mean, this was like, the Cosby show was like, Oh, that guy from the comedy albums is doing a show on TV. Um, and of course, you know, him and the horrible, horrible things he did as a human being, uh, have been a difficult thing to me to reckon with because he, he's meant so much to me and and my comic sensibilities and just, you know, his presence in my life was, was a major one. Uh, and there is a show now that does the same thing. It kind of reckons with that. It's a show called, we need to talk about Cosby. It's on Showtime. It is, um, Created by uh, W. Camus Bell, who I think is brilliant. Um, And it basically is is doing this. It's wrestling with the brilliance of this man and his cultural impact and all the positive that he did for the world and advocating for civil rights and so many other things. And also the undeniable and evident horrible things he did to women uh, during evidently that entire period. Uh, so it is, it is, he's sitting in both of those things. And I think it does an incredible job of, of sort of looking at what Cosby was to America and the world and what his career was and, and kind of examining that step by step, but never forgetting the dark side as well that we all have to reckon with. Uh, It's an extraordinary work. And one that if you're even remotely interested in the comedian, that was Bill Cosby uh, I I would highly recommend.
2: Yeah, I watched the uh, the Woody Allen one on HBO last year, and I'm like, okay, that was it was rough but essential. And I I feel like okay, I'm gonna have to get to to, to the Cosby one next. So yeah, I think that's but a perfect here,
0: description. Rough no. but essential. I mean, it is rough. It, it, there's not an episode that goes by where you're not reminded of how awful the things this man did are. Right, but. Uh, all right. Uh, that's going to do it for this episode. On that note, <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode of DLC. If you want a whole show about that, we have to cover. <laughs> yeah. well, at least he's in prison, right? Oh, it's, no. It's, oh, god, no, he to <laughs> Son of a uh, uh, prison. Um, yeah. Uh, thanks to our musical contributors, Patrick L., Sean Madigan, and Zero Star. Thanks to Jeff Grubb and Christian Spicer for hanging out with me. Thanks to all the folks listening live. We appreciate you being here in real time, making the show better. Uh, And we appreciate each and every one of you who download the show. We are excited to step into the next era of this podcast. And we hope you'll be there along with us. Hopefully you can go to patreon.com slash DLC pod right now and show your support. Make sure we continue. Uh, But we'll be back next week. Until then, think about what you put out into the world. Make it a better place.